where are you, Fabian? I'm in Binyum. So I'm about 45 minutes north of Ho Chi Minh from the States. Okay. Otis, where are you at? I'm in Saigon right now, District 1. And uh, I haven't left my room in since the before times. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm originally from uh, L.A. in California. Uh, I just wanted to jump in real quick. <clears throat> uh, first of all, happy historical day, everybody. And Lucas, you're crazy fucking bastard. And I love it for this 24-hour room. You guys rock. Awesome. I guess just to give context to everyone in is... Um, you know, Vietnam's, uh, we've been in a pretty serious lockdown for the last, I would say, four or five months. Um, so kind of like with Otis, you know, besides just going to the grocery store, I haven't been anywhere for maybe, yeah, for like four or five months. Um, so trying to reach out to the Bitcoin community, you know, has been um, not uh, as ideal um, as I'd like. You know, I was just realizing, I think that, Saigon is the most serious lockdown since Wuhan. Obviously that I could be wrong, but I was thinking about it and you know, we really, there's like military outside of my house now. You know, I, I'm not, I'm about to run out of water and I don't know how I'm going to get water. I don't mean to be melodramatic. I'm sure I'll manage to get water, but it's like literally that extreme for those who aren't uh, aware of the situation here. Yeah. Yeah, military is um, <laughs> the military is going door to door and giving food like vegetables and and basic food like that to everyone. Um, how how efficient it's been, right? I don't know. Um, it's different with everyone, but um, yeah. And we have David. David, you're in. David is in. Okay, guys. I think it's great. You you told him about our situation. We're all locked up in our houses. So, yeah, but, my, but my house is a little bit different. I'm in Ho Chi Minh City, and actually the military is doing really good because they're actually delivering free food to our house. And, Finally. And, and no shortage of water. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing fine. Actually eating quite well. The neighbors actually love this quite a bit. The bad news is, is our lightning ATM is just sitting here doing nothing because nobody's allowed to come out of the house and buy any Bitcoin. So, um, I... Guys, this is the first time I meet anyone from the Vietnamese uh, Bitcoin community. It's quite funny. Yeah, I've been following you on Twitter for quite a while, Lucas. And I remember the first post I saw you were helping someone prepare for Vietnamese Shark Tank. And uh, I've wondered why I had never met you. I think it's also funny that there's not a single Vietnamese in our in our group when Vietnam has the world's highest uh, rate of crypto usage, according to all the charts. But anyway. Yeah. And actually, I wanted to bring that. I wanted to discuss that, right? Because I saw that chart. I saw that. I mean, so I don't want to steer the conversation, but let's do bring that up. I do want to talk about crypto usage in Vietnam, because what we're seeing on the charts is not necessarily what I'm seeing here on the ground, if you know what I mean. Okay, well, look, I, look we have a, a lightning ATM. I, in fact, I think it's the only lightning ATM in, in Vietnam. So we're, we're future.travel for anybody who's happening to be listening. Um, and future.travel accepts Bitcoin and, and uh, lightning and some of those other shit coins. Um, and our ATM, I, you know, because we can see the people coming and going, we would have to say that 
is 99% uh, driven by Vietnamese. And our over-the-counter uh, is 99.9% .9 Vietnamese. So look, the Vietnamese are really, really active um, as far as uh, consumers uh, and purchasers um, of uh, Bitcoin and Lightning. Um, from our standpoint, you know, maybe when Dominic uh, comes on, he'll be able to, to speak about his side. So um, I think that Vietnam and the Vietnamese are a bit of a silent majority. They don't, they don't walk around talking about their wealth. You know, I mean, they, they make perfect Bitcoiners because they never will disclose how much, you know, how much coin they actually have. But they're, they're hodlers. They just, they, they're either holding it or they're gambling it. Um, and so, but they don't talk about it. So maybe that's part of the issue of why you don't see anybody, you know, quote, in the community, uh, in quote, um, doing, uh, you know, really outlandish stuff. And then the other part, Lucas, and you've probably been here and Otis has been here long enough. There's a lot of inf misinformation about the use and the holding and the purchasing of uh, cryptocurrencies in Vietnam and Bitcoin in particular. And th that in misinformation um, spreads like wildfire as to whether it's, you know, whether it's legal or not. And, uh, you know, the way to talk about Bitcoin and Lightning uh, and other cryptocurrencies in Vietnam is it is not illegal. It's not it's not illegal. No, there's no law against you holding, owning, or buying Bitcoin. You just can't make transactions. You can't buy anything with Bitcoin. Is my understanding. You cannot. Well, look, we're, we're Vietnam's oldest Bitcoin merchants. We've been doing it for I think we're in seven years. Maybe it's eight years now. Okay, we're online. Future dot travel. Um, you know, we've had them come and knock on the door to see what we're doing. We do not. If you come to our website, future dot travel you'll notice there's a drop down on the right hand side gives you a whole bunch of currencies, but it doesn't show any cryptocurrencies. Okay. It shows forms of payments. Next uh, tab over on the little bit to the left, you can drop down and you can say, Hey, I can pay with lightning. I can pay with Bitcoin. I can pay with, uh, with other cryptocurrencies as a form of payment, just like you can pay with Visa or MasterCard or, or, you know, pay with a bank in Vietnam. It is illegal to accept payment in euros. It's illegal to accept payment in US dollars. It's illegal to accept payment in Bitcoin or Lightning as well. So no merchant in Vietnam is offering anything for sale in euros. Nobody's offering it for sale in, in uh, US dollars or euros, etc. And we um, offer payment as a uh, we accept Bitcoin as a form of payment, just like a Visa card or something else like that. So the government is doing, a, you know, they were pretty clever. They didn't actually uh, make it illegal, but they have done a, a job on people's heads to make them think that it's illegal. But if you scrape it back a little bit, yeah, look, the, the Bitcoin community is huge in Vietnam and, uh, and continues to grow. Um, but you have to, you know, fall within the rules. So it's you know, so no transactions able to be transacted in in uh, in Bitcoin. But certainly, uh, you can accept uh, 
uh, transaction in Vietnam Dong, which is the only legal transaction, and have the form of payment coming into you uh, through the the Bitcoin or crypto channel. And this is where, uh, and I'm not sure if, if Albert's on yet, uh, where somebody like uh, Neutron Pay has come in and, you know, th they're killing it uh, because they've actually come back and said, hey, look, we have a way for you, the merchant, to invoice in Vietnam Dong, the official legal tender of Vietnam, and have the acceptance of uh, a Bitcoin or Lightning uh, channel to to receive your your VND. So, yeah. So no transactions in 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 uh, uh, in, in Bitcoin unless you do it directly through a, a, a channel that will convert it to VND. Thank you. Uh, that, that was great. Uh, we have Dominique finally, and we also have my new buddy Nate. Uh, from uh, 99 bitcoins and we have BTC Chai with a hand up that wants to uh, say something. I think it's because he wants to give away uh, free sats. So basically if you post your lightning wallet uh, address at the top. Oh, no, uh, no, man, I'm done. I, I already said that, uh, you know, send, you know, uh, uh, 35 out of the 30, I promised. Okay, cool. Uh, so, so just uh, for anybody that's listening, you know, uh, I'm getting tired of kind of ascending and I just want to, you know, sort of chill. It's late night here. So okay. I just want to you know, relax and listen to the people here. So uh, awesome. Just relax. Thanks. So, uh, that's really interesting because, um, it's, it's really portrayed here, uh, like gray area, uh, like it may not be legal, maybe legal. And at the same time, uh, I'm like, but I mean, how can the guys have been running the business for so many years and it's being a, a maybe not legal business? So that's uh, that's really interesting to know. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, we yep. hear you. Can hear you, Dom. Okay, got this thought that got it now running on the burner zone. Um, Okay, yeah, just regarding the question of legality. I mean, when we started out here in the early 2000s, 14. Actually, we started research in like 2013. I mean, there was not really anything written about the legality. Over the past couple of years, of course, we have been also tried to reach out, starting with the 2014 to the State Bank, Ministry of Justice, and so on. But I mean, if you know the political system in Vietnam, it's all a bit like more difficult. It's, it's not like in an El Salvador where you have like one guy, he's saying, okay, we are going to do this now, and then it's happening. Um, so you can have your conversations, but generally like people, yeah, it's, yeah, much more sensitive to move forward, which is also one of the reasons why probably we see that in Vietnam, nothing really has been set yet apart, like some regulations around the payments, but otherwise at the moment, it's still a more relatively gray area here. Since... Since there's some dead air uh, and we're theoretically celebrating El Salvador and, you know, Bitcoin's use and Lightning's use as a currency, I feel like uh, one of the things that I was hoping to, you know, that we would discuss was around things like remittance, because as far as I know, you know, one of the major 
sources of revenue in Vietnam and El Salvador, of course, is remittance from probably France and America and Canada. And um, I, I think to me, this is one of the, this is one of the most amazing and frustrating aspects of Bitcoin is to see so many Westerners you know, say, why do we need this? You know, this is a scam and not realizing that the situation on the ground is that the alternative remittance solutions, you know, they're, they're like highway robbery. And uh, for me, this is just incredibly exciting to even if the only thing that really comes of it is that Bitcoin starts to grow and lightning starts to grow as a remittance option around the world, because I think that will just have an unfathomable benefit to cut out the middlemen for, you know, the bottom 20% of the economic world. You know, family members from Western countries that, you know, have significantly more money than their relatives that are still in Vietnam, just sending, instead of using Western Union or, you know, however else people do it, now having the opportunity to get Bitcoin, you know, wherever they get it on an exchange or Bitcoin ATM in a Western country. And then the Vietnamese person or the El Salvadorian can just have their, you know, their lightning wallet uh, and have their own custody and, you know, be transacting internationally. I mean, that, you know, that's strike is the Jack Mahler's is the, you know, force behind El Salvador. And that was basically his whole thing is to set up strike so that a person can send, you know, whatever their fiat is through lightning. And then the other person can get their fiat in a different country, um, in their bank. He, he, I've, you know, he has videos on his Twitter feed of doing that with a Nigerian guy. You know, he just starts chatting with a Nigerian guy and the Nigerian guy puts his bank info into strike and Jack sends him USD and it goes through lightning and the guy gets Nigerian, whatever the currency is there, you know, in his bank in, you know, one, two, three minutes. And I, I just think this is so incredible for what it's going to do as people start to realize that it's not a scam and, it, you know, it's not too volatile and it, it really is a solution for global remittance. So, so uh, wouldn't this be one of the reasons why uh, Vietnamese are could be one of the really big markets according to on-chain uh, on-chain data that that there's there I, is a lot. I of... don't know for sure. Uh, maybe one of the other people knows, but I would assume that's a very real. I mean, Vietnamese. One of the reasons I'm here, you know, for people that are just listening and aren't in Vietnam. The Vietnamese people, to me, are some of the most, on average, technologically fluent and sophisticated people I've ever come across in my life. It's really amazing to me. So I would, I would not be surprised at all that they would know how to use apps and be able to do all of this stuff. Okay. Also, some input there um, regarding the remittance. I mean, you have a very huge diaspora of Vietnamese people around the world. So, and I remember still, like in the old days. Of at like 2014-ish or something like this, where people were talking, hey, you can use cryptocurrency for remittance, which is much cheaper than Western Union at 10% or something like this. But that's not really the reality on the ground. So, I mean, for Westerners who only know like the legitimate solutions, 
it might look like this, but um, the Vietnamese people in Australia or like California, all these hubs where you have like a lot of people, they can send money back to Vietnam within like one hour and it costs them like half a percent for like a million dollar cash, no KYC, and they just walk up to basically some vegetable store, whatever, run by some Vietnamese person somewhere in California. So these underground systems, they have been built over like 40 years and there's not really a way that Bitcoin can make much of a dent there. Um, for remitting money out of the country, there's certainly for retail users, uh, it makes it somewhat easier. Obviously, that's not seen necessarily in a positive light by the authorities. But also there, I mean, people had before already like all these Havala systems or were using some trade invoices, whatever. So there were always ways to get your money moved where you had to move it to. And oftentimes with less restrictions even than with cryptocurrency. Um, ah, for the usage, I believe this that Vietnam is pretty much leading there worldwide. I mean, that's, that's definitely possible from what I see. But again, um, it's mostly like people are interested like in making quick money. I mean, if you have lived here for a while, you know that people are generally quite interested in, uh, yeah, gambling activities, um, where they can make a quick buck. So there's a lot of interest, of course, like in all these leverage trading, shitcoin trading, everything where people basically hope that they can make some quick money on. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that people have like a deeper understanding what Bitcoin means or whatever, but I mean, they are very opportunistic. And if there's some money to be made, then people will look and try to figure out how this works. Yeah, I, I think in regards to remittances, I think there's another population in Vietnam that's not being discussed. And that is the, um, the Indian population. We have, v Vietnam has a, has, many workers from around the world and it's growing and there's a lot of Nepalese there's a Nepalese population an Indian population uh, there's Cambodian populations and these people are earning in VND and they also send remittances to their countries right so I think where this technology is going to thrive or help I mean it's going to help foreigners in Vietnam but these are foreigners too that aren't necessarily you know making a whole lot where they can't send money back home uh you know as a uh, subjective look at this is i have a nepalese friend who has to send money to nepal to his family and it's 80 dollars to send out of vietnam and then it's another 80 dollars from his nepalese bank to receive so i think remittance with populations that are earning in BND and sending back home is a, is a big, is a big conversation that I think needs to be touched on. Yes. Actually, one of our regular customers who come in and uh, uses uh, Bitcoin and other uh, transaction methods um, is, is from Thailand. And uh, so there is, there are a lot of Thai people living here. Uh, as well, who are sending money back to Thailand, and the same thing with the, the Filipino uh, population. So, Nate, I, I would guess that you were curious about Vietnam, and that's why you popped in. Do you have any questions to the guys about Vietnam? 
the thing is that I, I know so little about Vietnam and its political structure and its economic structure and what it needs economically. I'm really just trying to absorb everything because I'm afraid that any question I'd ask would be so out of context with what, uh, with what you're talking about. But what I'm hearing uh, is that the, there's, uh, there's a market already for funds to be sent into Vietnam, but that the market is more difficult in sending money out of Vietnam. Am I correct in that assessment? It's impossible to send money out of Vietnam the normal way. Uh, I mean, uh, Western Union doesn't work. I used to send money to Venezuela. And when I came here via Western Union to Colombia, and then they went from uh, Colombia to, uh, from Venezuela to, Con uh, to Colombia and uh, fetched the money. But I couldn't even do that anymore when I came to Vietnam because Western Union doesn't work. And uh, people do this this method, basically, uh, somebody in Vietnam gives somebody else my VND, and then they have on the other side, say in the US, um, uh, that there's a counterpart that gives USD to the, to the recipient. So it's some kind of like indirect uh, Western Union. That's one way. Another way that I could imagine that uh, that a lot of, uh, uh, th there are uh, significant flows is actually uh, by uh, some some sort of cryptocurrency. Maybe stable coins could be preferred for those that don't care and send that. Yeah, you're right on that. It's very physical. I mean, I, I feel like, I, I kind of joke, Vietnam loves paperwork, right? Like even, even for foreigners, you got to go there and have like, you know, papers and copies and, and and, and everything just to send money out. Um, even foreigners can't even send to, to brokerages um, or d d to direct uh, account brokerages. So it's, it's, it's not user friendly. So, I mean, you cannot use the official systems to send money out of the country, but I said, there's like all these Havala systems underground, which are pretty easy to use, but to send money out of the country, they take usually quite a bit of a cut there. Um, it's not difficult to roll up there and have then like hundred thousand, a million dollar in cash or something like this, but probably the cut there will be something like five percent or something if you try to send it out because there's just more demand. The only time it's different is basically right before um no, actually the the fees are even higher. Right, right, right. Um because there's more money flowing into Vietnam than it's flowing out of Vietnam. So you have then the higher prices basically when you want to send it out of Vietnam and lower price when you send it into Vietnam. That was a question. Basically, what we're talking about is the impossibility uh, in, from legal perspective uh, of, of sending value out of the country. That's just not what, 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 the, what the national, what the government wants. Uh, you want to keep as much value in the country as you can, otherwise the economy, the economy begins to, to dry up. You end up sending more value out of the country than what you keep in it. And the economy just, if you don't have money in the country, then it's just hard to have an economy. Uh, my question is, uh, not as we've talked about this, you talk about um, other underground ways to uh, transfer value out of the country. One, we talked well, we talk about how, the, the fees. Um, how much risk is there? I mean, legally, and it, how much enforcement actually is there that, that you actually have to consider the risk involved? 
I mean, pretty much depends which way you use. Also, sometimes these things change, of course. Um, we know, for example, a couple of years ago, one of the large gaming companies here was using basically fake invoices to get money transferred out of the country because it was just like electronical items like some apps or something like this where people were paying for, but actually didn't didn't do this, but they still used this to somehow transfer the money out of the country. So there are always ways to get things done. I mean, uh, I'm not sure if you have ever visited Vietnam, but if you have been to Vietnam for a while, you know there's always ways to, to get things done because like, if there's a profit motive, I mean, even if we are officially like a communist country here, the people themselves are very opportunistic, capitalistic. So if there is a demand for something, people will find ways to service you. Yeah. Depending on the industry and how much money we're talking about, it's a very do now or act now and then ask for permission later or however that goes. But it's it's pretty much do what you want until you start running into things up the chain. Another thing I would like to yeah. add for since for people that have never been to Vietnam is that for me personally, I've traveled to a lot of countries and I would say Vietnam is the the most cash economy that I have ever been in. I haven't used anything other than cash in many, many months now. And that's become completely normal. Whereas, you know, in America or Western Europe, I would use cash for almost nothing. So for me, when I think of cash, it's that kind of thing where it has a kind of hustle to it. If you have cash, you can manage to get things done. And that's my personal experience kind of on the street level of life here. Very hyper-capitalistic in my experience. Yeah, at the same time, you know, you don't have to be a huge mega uh, gaming company or something like that to get the, uh, to figure out the workarounds. And, um, you know, they're like the Nepalese or the Thai people, you know, they're sending $50, $60 at a time. You know, they're not going to go, they don't have the connections to know which house to go to to get the money moved across countries because probably they don't even speak Vietnamese. And so this is where the, the whole lightning network has come into, into play for using uh, the cryptocurrencies. People are using those for small amounts. You know, you don't have to be doing thousands or millions of dollars like uh, maybe Dominic's alluding to. Um, so look, the, the, the groundswell among the people are here and there are people who are clever. Uh, I'd have to say that the people who are sending money out of the country, those very small denominations. Guys, I have a, I have a question around mining. So China, China uh, folded its mining uh, capabilities now, at least allegedly, and Vietnam is just next door and has, um, yeah, uh, do you do you think that uh, some of that capability was moved to Vietnam? Uh, do you have any indications of that? Or uh, that's a really good question. I, I mean, for for people that don't know, China is right next to Vietnam, but uh, the borders are still very you know tight. Um, the electricity here is it, it's. It, it's it's not cheap, but it's not expensive. We're talking like maybe six to 10 cents um, for a kilowatt hour. And I'm noticing, because I actually, I, I, I got a miner, but it's sitting in a box and I can't do anything. 
and uh, it sucks just seeing this machine just sit there. But um, what I'm seeing is there's a lot of GPU mining and a lot of cryptocurrency Ethereum mining community out here more so than ASICs or Bitcoin mining. Yeah, I'd I, I like to give, um, by the way, about what somebody said that like gaming mentality, I don't know if they're listening. I don't think they are, but I actually gave my, my developers a day off just to listen in to, to, to this 24 hours. I said, you, you should listen to this because we've been having Crypto Friday every Friday. And uh, as part of that, I try to explain why, why they should put, put more into Bitcoin and yeah, it, it was quite a quite quite a few months before they even they took it seriously. It was very deeply ingrained that this is this is just gaming, basically. Yeah, I think it's still it's still like you said, like gamer and very niche, and it's still small. A lot of the miners that I'm like seeing are coming across, they're all in Saigon, and you would think that the electricity is going to be more in Saigon. Um, so it's still very small scale and done in people's homes, done in like warehouses next door. Um, so I don't know, I'm not seeing too much scale and Vietnam has a lot of, um, what's it called, uh, manufacturing and industrial areas where, where electricity is cheaper, right? So you're having these, these spots, these hotspots of industrial areas and I'm not seeing or coming across these larger scale hosting or mining sites. But I know it's there. I know the electricity yeah, we can have, be cheaper. We have a customer who they are miners. Um, they are based in Ho Chi Minh City, so there are, as as he says, their niche and like they're, they're small. I mean, this guy has like sort of eight uh, great rigs running, and I asked him about this, and he goes, "Look, I have profit on it to pay the electricity." Do everything else on it, and uh, you know he was making on Vietnamese terms really good money. And just on the whole tariff thing, like um, there is a, a commercial tariff and a residential tariff, and you can play the two off against each other. You basically flip the switch and you go, okay, well during these hours I'm going to be on the commercial tariff, and you flip the switch and this is going to be on the domestic tariff. And so miners being the clever people they are and and uh, a lot of business people here actually have two meters in their in their premises or in their house to switch between tariffs so they can always find the lowest tariff available and uh yeah bitcoin mining is a, a profitable profitable uh uh enterprise here but as otis says there's a lot of ethereum mining here as well i mean the miners also don't really have much of an incentive to speak up. I mean, uh, compared to like these cryptocurrency sales teams who want to get people buying their coins. I mean, if you have a spot where you get cheap electricity, you are not going to talk about it. Why would you do it? Because I mean, there's only downside for you to talk about it. You just do it. And exactly. I have a friend who is, for example, has been mining on servers of his stock market listed large company uh he is in the it department there they are just doing this using like the company assets basically to do it um we have in 2014 also visited a large data center here on the outskirts of saigon also belonging to a large company in vietnam so they have been in 2014 already start using their um electricity rates which they can get for these data centers here to mine bitcoin but that's something which is very 
quiet because I mean, there's just no upside to talk about it. Why would you do it? Because that's only attracts some people who want to attract, extract more value from you. So very quiet scene. And, and there's another thing too, where it's like Vietnamese like, like their radius. Right. Um, so in general with the niche markets, right. So it, it's hard to be like, Hey, you want to host in a building, you know, that's three hours away, two hours away, which for me, it's like, that's nothing, right? Like I'll, I'll drive an hour and a half, two hours to check on my minor. Right. Um, but here it's like, you know, everyone just has ho these home rigs and home builds. I mean, it's amazing to see, but it also touches on, I mean, like cryptocurrency in Vietnam, like there's a lot of, Oh, oh now a, I remember my question. Fabian, can go I interrupt? Ahead, Sorry. Cause we have five go more ahead. minutes. One coin hit Vietnam. I heard the hardest in uh, the world are some claims that there was a lot of people that got really uh, badly screwed by one coin. Is that correct? That's correct. They had a large scale office here with huge one coin logos straight next to the airport back in the day. Um, and also quite a few of these other Ponzi schemes like Bit Kingdom, I think that was more like in Southeast Asia, was, was the other one which was pretty popular. Ah, BitConnect, also huge. They had like huge teams here which were like getting all these people there investing into the stuff. And that's what I said before. I mean, people here don't really understand necessarily the technicals. They just see opportunities, see people making money. Um, and for them, it's basically if they lose money investing into Bitcoin, um, it's a scam for them. While if they make money on BitConnect or OneCoin or whatever, it's a good project for them. So, I mean, the, yeah, how, how you measure it for the local people here is really depends <laughs> if the outcome for them is positive or negative when it comes to finance. It's not so much when like, okay, Bitcoin has ledger technology and all of this stuff. That's not interesting to the people here. It's just opportunity making money. That's exactly what I was leading into. Is it's it's very it's, it's so cryptocurrency centric here. It's like people don't care too much about Bitcoin. They care about what's the hottest coin. And there's a very there's a lot of a lot of Vietnamese people here. Like there's a lot of traders. There's a lot of forex traders, right? So there's a lot of speculative. There's a speculative trading population here, and 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 it kind of just ties in with the cryptocurrency. Uh, wave. Which, which is, I, I don't understand because every Vietnamese has gold at home and and they they all kind of like remember the hyperinflation days and, and uh, they understand hard currency. Yeah, I mean, to your point, our, our, the currency is valued in 100,000, 200,000 and 500,000, right? Like, <laughs> you know, that should say something about the inflation in the past. Okay, so the final and really important question here is you only invite people you met in real life to your Telegram group. And um, wouldn't this be considered in COVID days when we're all locked up in our homes to meet live? I mean, come on, guys. No, I just joke. This was super cool, uh, super nice to meet the Vietnamese Bitcoin community. Any last comment or Nate, do you have any last question? David? Just as a last question, as we kind of go off here, of the attributes of Bitcoin in the Vietnamese community, 
what is more important to the community? Because maybe what I'm hearing you say is that people are trading cryptocurrencies for the purpose of accumulating more of the, of the national currency instead of looking for a store of value, which, which Bitcoin provides. The store of okay, value so here is real estate. Real estate okay. is where people make their money and where people keep their wealth. Okay, that's, that's good to know. So can there be a change or will there be a, a, a transference of that mindset from real estate to Bitcoin or some, some mixture of the two? So real estate here is stupid expensive at the moment. I, and I think the golden days of price appreciation in real estate should be over because it's so, so out of reach. Like a normal Vietnamese makes $300, $400 a month. But I mean, of course, some make, some make a little bit more. And then the real estate that you have pretty much some Western country prices is such a disconnect. To speak back to, to Nate, so and, and probably the way to look forward is a lot of the people that we're working with and the ones that are, are buying lightning values where they're buying $5 a week or $10 a week, they're doing it for the hodl. They are, they're doing it for uh, uh, stored wealth and they're looking at it as being their retirement system. They go, you know, I got a, a friend and they say, hey, look, in 20 years, I won't have anything because, you know, I'm a street cleaner, you know, I don't have anything. But now with this, I can put pay a dollar a week or $2 a week. And I know that in 20 years, if things keep going the way they are, I will have something to retirement. I, I have on. to politely Children disagree. I'm just not seeing that. Yeah, because the lack of education here among the wealthier, older generation is where I'm seeing the disconnect. A lot of them don't want to put their money in Bitcoin or they got burned like a year ago, two years ago, and now they don't touch no, these are, there, is, there is a cohort of younger people, certainly not the older people, who, who are trying to build wealth. Vietnam also has one of the largest uh, developer communities, and that is pretty cut off as far as I know from the kind of expat community because a lot of them uh, don't speak English because the people that speak English, that is what they focus on in university and the people that do engineering, you know, maybe focus more on engineering. I, so as one example of that, obviously the hottest coin in the world right now is Solana and uh, there's a Solana going on in Vietnam right now. And I think Vietnam has one of the largest Solana communities in the world. So, so sorry, I think um, Jeremy wanted to say something last. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm goodbye okay. from Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, good. I'll drop <laughs> down. Jeremy. Uh, hey, I just, I just wanted to quickly respond to Nate's question about store value in real estate. Otis had some points in this too. Um, yeah, broadly because of the capital controls you, and there's no uh, real estate property taxes and so you can kind of think of it as really low carrying costs for real estate and so it's an easy way for people to put their money in it to the point on values that lucas is making the rental ratios from rental values to actual home prices is just off the charts low um, because the, the value is high so that ratio is just completely off when you look at um, prices around the world just wanted to add that for nate Thanks for moderating, Lucas. Thanks for uh, the, the platform and everyone listening and uh, excited to hear the next conversation. I'm so partial. Sorry for uh, uh, dragging over time here. I was so curious to hear more.